preach to you the word of God from a range of scripture passages on the biblical teaching of good works. And let's now open our Bibles and read from 1 John 2, from verse 15 to 17, and then 2 verse 28 to 3 verse 23. And the preaching I'll mainly focus on 1 John 3. So commence the reading, 1 John 2 verse 15 to 17. We'll read the word of God. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. We'll continue reading verse 28. Now little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and has not appeared as yet what we'll be. We know that when he appears, we'll be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren he who does not love
abides in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we know his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. That's far scripture reading. And seeing we have summarised this biblical principle, biblical doctrine of good works and our confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, let's now turn to Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 32. That's page 44, the back of the Psalter Hymnal. Page 44. And there we ask and answer the following questions. We have been delivered from our misery by God's grace alone, through Christ, and not because we have earned it. Why then must we still do good? To be sure, Christ has redeemed us by his blood. But we do good because Christ by his spirit is also renewing us to be like himself. So that in all our living, we may show that we are thankful to God for all that is done for us. And so that he may be praised through us. And we do good so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits. And so that by our godly living, our neighbours may be won over to Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent ways? By no means. Scripture tells us that no unchaste person, no idolater, adulterer, thief, no covetous person, no drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, is going to inherit the kingdom of God. Shall we pray for the preaching? Lord God, thank you for your infallible word. 
Thank you that you wish to proclaim that word to us. Bless us in preaching and in listening. May your word come to us in spirit and in truth. May we all embrace it in faith so that we grow in holiness to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in our circles we emphasise strongly that we are saved by grace alone, through Christ alone, and not on the basis of our good works. This is the heart of the gospel, and thus the heart of the Reformed faith. But beloved, if salvation is by grace alone, without any merit of our own, what is then the purpose of good works? Does it mean that I don't have to be all too particular about my behaviour anymore? That I can do what I please, seeing good works don't count for our salvation anyway? With an appeal to Christian freedom, some people indeed defend that you can do what you please. Christ freed from the law, and we now live under grace, do we not? Well, beloved, in Galatians 5, verse 13, the Lord already warned against that heresy. I quote, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. And a little later, in verses 16 and 17, we read, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to each other. So that you may not do the things that you please. Note those last words. So that you may not do the things that you please. Paul then enumerates various deeds of the flesh. And warns that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 21. Doing good is therefore not as indifferent as some would like you to believe. It is of great importance how you conduct your life. God is very particular about it. It's not for nothing that he's revealed his will to you in scripture. That we might humbly walk with him. Here the kingdom of God is at stake. If I keep refusing to turn away from sin and to direct my life according to God's will, I will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's how serious it is. And that's a preach the word of God under the theme, 
the redeemed must and will do good works. The redeemed must and will do good works. We'll consider three points. Firstly, it is part of God's redemptive work. And secondly, it assures us of our faith. And thirdly, it serves to win our neighbour for Christ. In the passage of scripture, we read from 1 John, the love of the Father was mentioned various times. For example, chapter 2, verse 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And chapter 3, verse 1, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. Behind every Christian life, there is the love of the Father. That love drove him in his work of redemption. God did not want to abandon his created world to death and destruction. He sought the restoration of that masterpiece of his He seeks the liberation from sin and death. He wants people to walk before him again and to serve him in holiness. Instead of being children of the devil, people have to become children of God again. Rescued from Satan, they must return to God's kingdom of life and light. That's what John says, Behold how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And we know that we have passed out of death into life. 3 verse 14. Beloved, God's love is especially evident in the sending of his Son into this world. And why did Jesus Christ appear In the flesh, we read in 1 John 3 verse 8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Christ came to destroy the devil's major work, namely sin. He came to liberate us from sin in all its aspects, from the guilt and punishment of sin, but also from the power and pollution of sin. He came to make us holy again, as he is holy. Yes, that latter really belongs to it. Otherwise, God's redemptive work would not be complete. After all, what joy can God receive from people who have been freed from the guilt but not from the pollution and power of sin. What joy does God receive from people who just keep on living in sin? Can you call such people redeemed? Can you say of such people that they have passed from death to life? If God's redemptive work is to be complete, then his redeemed must also start walking 
before him in righteousness and holiness. Then only can we truly speak of being freed from sin. That's part of God's redemptive work. Instead of acting as children of Satan, we must act as children of God again. And brothers and sisters, how do you know whose child you are? You can know it by your works, John says. We read in 3 verse 10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Your lifestyle, your walk and talk, make clear who you belong to, whose child you are. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, John says in 3 verse 15. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Such a person has Satan, the murderer from the beginning, as father. John applies this message to one specific sin in the congregation. The sin of lovelessness. And we can apply it to all sorts of sins. In our lives, also in church life. From your works, it is apparent where you belong. Whether you have passed from death to life or not. Well, brother, sister, where do you belong? Have you passed from death to life? Your works reveal that to you and to others. John writes in 3, verse 5 and 6, You know that he, Jesus Christ, appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins, or better translated, keeps on sinning. If the aim of Christ's appearance was to take away sin, then it follows that whoever belongs to him cannot keep on sinning. You will then want to break with sin. Do away with it. No one who abides in Christ keeps on sinning. But does this then mean that you become sinless as soon as you've passed from death to life? No. It is as Paul writes in Romans 7. When he sins, this is not what he wants, but what he does not want. He does not happily keep on sinning. No, he hates sin and fights against it in the power of God. That's why John doesn't just speak of sinning in verse 6 or elsewhere, but of keeping on sinning, living in sin, making a practice of sinning, refusing to repent. Redeemed children can't possibly be in their element sinning. When you're redeemed, you're in your element serving the Lord. Thus verse 9, 
No one who is born of God practices sin or makes sin, makes a practice of sinning. Because God's seed abides in him and he cannot sin or keep on sinning because he's born of God. And therefore not keeping on sinning is not something you do in your own power. It's because God's seed is in you, John says. Because you're born of God. Born again through his spirit. The Holy Spirit brings about new life in you. And that's when you do not keep on sinning. Then you can't boast in your own strength and excellence. It's because of God's redemptive work. God doesn't do half a job when he saves us. He doesn't free you from guilt and then leave you to mess around on your own, in own strength. No, God completes the works of his hands. That's why doing good belongs to the life of a redeemed person. And therefore, brothers and sisters, never hide behind the fact that we are all sinners. It happens that people argue that because we are all sinners, we are therefore not really able to do good works. We are all sinners is then used as an excuse for keeping on sinning. In this way we accept sinfulness as something that can't be changed. That's how we are. And that's how we will remain till we die. There's nothing we can do about it. And thus there is no growth in holiness. No change in life or practice. You just keep on doing what you've always been doing, whether good or bad. Yet, brothers and sisters, this is based on one great lie from Satan. Does the fact that we are sinners mean that nothing can be done about it? Absolutely not. This is the approach of a defeatist not of one who believes in Jesus Christ or one of one who is redeemed. Christ has transformed us from death to life. And the realisation that I am still a sinner is no excuse for continuing to live in sin. This rather gives us all the more reason to flee to Christ and to seek our forgiveness and renewal in him. Just as you seek your forgiveness in Christ by faith, so you must seek your renewal in Christ by faith. Live by faith in Christ. Live in faith that he who forgave you will also through his spirit renew you. Fight against sin. 
and live holy lives trusting in his power and grace. Beloved, now that we've seen that doing good works is part of God's redemptive work, we wish to consider in the second place that doing good assures us of our faith. Doing good is not only of value to God. He receives all glory and thanks again. But also benefits us, God's children. It assures us of our faith. During this life, we still constantly experience the temptation to sin. We can be troubled by doubt. Do I really share in God's redemptive work? Am I really saved? Will I enter God's kingdom? Our remaining sins can overwhelm us like a dark cloud hindering our view on God's redemptive work. Is my faith really a true faith? Well now, beloved, if you look closely, you notice that God is already busy separating believers from unbelievers during this life. What is the distinction? Verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness does not do the will of God, is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. If you keep on sinning, make a practice of not doing the will of God, you belong to the devil. As John writes in verse 8, the one who practices sin or makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Yet on the other hand, if you practice righteousness, you are born of God. The seed of God, yes, God, is in you. Think of verse 24. The one who keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Verse 24. Beloved, when you notice in your life that you do the will of God, be it in weakness, with shortcomings, then you may be assured that you share in God's redemptive work. After all, without that redemptive work, you wouldn't make an effort to do the will of the Father. You may be assured of your faith by the fruits of that faith, such as a childlike fear of God, a godly sorrow for your sin, and a seeking after righteousness, where the beginning of the new obedience is present. There you must remember that that beginning 
even though it's only a beginning, is in fact a miraculous work of God. If the Holy Spirit had not worked in you, you would still be dead in sin. You would still be living with your back towards God. Then it would not trouble you that you've offended him through your sin. You wouldn't have any desire to serve him. Christ once said, Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Doesn't nature also teach us that good fruit cannot come from a bad plant? Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Each tree is known by its fruit. Thus you can be assured of your faith by its fruit. Your faith is shown to be real, to be living in the works. Good works show that the Spirit of God is at work in you. John says in 3 verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life. And how do we know it? Because we love the brethren, John says. By loving indeed and in truth, we will know, John continues, that we are in the truth. You can therefore discover in your life where you belong. But brothers and sisters, isn't this too optimistic? Is this true in your life? What about those sins and shortcomings? Still present. I do not have a perfect faith. My love for God. My love for my neighbour. Isn't what it should be. And this can really trouble me. My heart condemns me. How can I face God with my imperfect love? How can I set my troubled heart at rest? Well, entrust yourself to the mercy of God who knows everything. Listen to chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. We will know by this, that's by love, that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your situation, your strengths, your weaknesses, your successes and failures. He knows it when you deep down do love him and strive to serve him. When you do love your neighbour, even though you don't always show it as you ought, and often struggle how to express that love, is he knows what lives in your heart. He will not overlook his own work. 
that can reassure your troubled heart. That can give peace again. And now the third point. Doing good also serves to win your neighbour for Christ. Peter says in 1 Peter 2 verse 11 and 12, I quote, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behaviour excellent among the Gentiles so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. A Christian walk of life is very important for people around us. Why? Well, through Christian conduct, people around you can discover what faith is all about. They can see what the renewing power of God does to hearts and lives. What redemption is all about. Thus even opponents can at times be impressed by that godly walk. With this possible result that they are more receptive to the gospel and may even be convicted by the gospel. Note your great responsibility. Christ pointed to that when he called his disciples the light of the world. In a world darkened by sin, the believers are a light. In my nature, a light is there to shine. It must spread light. It must expose the works of darkness. Show the ugliness of sin. It must also enlighten people. Show them the way. This is how you are to be as light of the world. By your walk and talk, the world must discover how terrible sin is and how great it is to know and serve God. This is only possible if I myself am truly a light. If I am filled with the love of Christ. I can never be a light of the world if I become like the world. Accommodating their views and practices. Then I become darkness. What am I to pass on to others? If I let myself be filled with the same worldly things, if my walk and talk is no different to that of the world, yes, beloved, good works are necessary to win our neighbours for Christ. Do your good works stand out? Your Christian walk and talk? Are you clearly distinguishable? from the world as light of the world? Do you spread that light in your daily life 
to begin with, at home, among your children, your children, your family, your friends. If that's not the case, all your pious words become worthless, powerless. They achieve the very opposite of what they're meant to achieve. If my words are not supported by my Christian lifestyle, they put people off. Also put my children off instead of drawing them to Christ. Can your children, can people around you notice that you have a living faith? Can they see the power of faith in you? That mighty, renewing, regenerating power of the Spirit? Do they notice that it's something wonderful to know and serve God? In other words, do you have something to offer that the world cannot offer? Does your conduct also direct those who see it to your heavenly Father? After all, it's not your glory that's important, but the glory of your heavenly Father. You are his representative here on earth. Your work, walk and talk are meant to focus the attention on him, your heavenly Father, so that people may see your good works and give glory, not to you in the first place, but to your Father in heaven. Brothers and sisters, let us therefore live by faith. It's all about faith. Faith in Jesus Christ and his redemptive work. As John writes in 3 verse 23, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. And in chapter 5 verse 4, John adds, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Notice those words. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And therefore, Live by faith and in the power of God's grace and spirit. Then good works will be visible as part of God's redemptive work for your own encouragement, for the glory of God and for the benefit of your neighbour. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your work of redemption. Thank you for faith and the fruits of faith. Will you continue to work in us a desire to serve you in righteousness and holiness? Grant that it may become more and more apparent in our lives that we belong to you that your spirit lives and works in us. Father, we're ashamed of our sins and shortcomings. Our love for you and our neighbour is still so imperfect. 
our hearts often condemn us. Thank you that we may entrust ourselves to you, our merciful God, who knows everything. You know us through and through. You know that deep down we do love you and our neighbour. You know how we often struggle to express that love. Teach us through your spirit how we can best show our love for you and for our neighbour in the daily practice of life. Thank you for giving us your word as a lamp and a light to our path. Help us to walk in that light. Yes, grant that we all may truly be lights ourselves, reflecting Christ, the light of the world. May our walk and talk glorify you so that people around us may see our good works and glorify you. Help us to draw people's attention to you that they may witness in us your transforming grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.